Welcome to the Fixer Upper Marriage Podcast. When choosing a house to fix up, the neighborhood is crucial. Things like traffic, environment, and even overall atmosphere affect the value of your project. Your marriage can end up in a bad neighborhood. Today we will learn how to put your marriage in a better place by applying principles from the life of Jesus. So here it is, choosing the right neighborhood, putting your marriage on a two-way street. Philippians chapter 2 and verse number 5. First I'll read out of Ephesians chapter 5 and verse 21. Submitting yourselves one to another in the fear of God. Wives, submit yourselves unto your own husbands as unto the Lord. For the husband is the head of the wife, even as Christ is the head of the church, and he is the Savior of the body. Therefore, as the church is subject unto Christ, so let the wives be to their own husbands in everything. Husbands, love your wives, even as Christ also loved the church and gave himself for it. Philippians chapter 2. And verse number five, let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus, who being in the form of God, thought it not robbery to be equal with God, but made himself of no reputation and took upon him the form of a servant that was made in the likeness of men. And being found in fashion as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient unto death, even the death of the cross. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for this day. Thank you for the privilege to be able to come to your house and open the word of God, I pray that you would speak to our hearts as only you can. May we have better marriages as a result of the word of God and applying the principles of your word to our lives. We ask these things in your name. Amen. So our title today, The Fixer Upper, Choosing the Right Neighborhood or Putting Your Marriage on a Two-Way Street, so to speak. So the fixer upper in the wrong neighborhood. You know, when you're looking at a house and you're looking to get a fixer upper, you consider things, you consider the investment value of the property, maybe the improvements that need to be made, the trends in the area. What was this house worth a couple of years ago? What's it worth now? What's it going to be projected as valued in the future? And then you, if you're wise, if you investigate the condition of the property, how about the traffic? How about graffiti? You know, it's always a bad sign when you're in the neighborhood and there's graffiti everywhere. So you wouldn't want to have a fixer-upper house in a place where there's graffiti or maybe the old rundown areas and you see a shopping cart. That's a sure sign of a bad neighborhood when you see a shopping cart over in the ditch filled with stuff. Carefully make a decision. Is this fixer-upper worth it when you see a house? Is this worth the investment? Is this right for me? Is this fixer-upper in the, the right area? You know, sometimes uh, marriage gets the wrong way. You consider the, the investment value in your marriage. Your marriage is worth fixing up all the time you have put in your love. You don't have to look anywhere else. You know, when we look for a house, you look for a property, we may find a bad neighborhood and we say, well, you know, this house is not the right one for me. Let me go somewhere else. But marriage is not like that. When we meet our spouse and we get married and we say, I do, we don't have to look anywhere else. God has given us the tools from scripture to make our marriage right and to give us a fixed up marriage we could say, investigate the condition of your marriage. You know, sometimes our marriages deteriorate to the point where they're just fighting and we're unhappy and we have financial problems. And then you have to carefully make decisions and choices about your marriage. You have to decide that your marriage is worth it. You have to decide that your spouse is worth the investment. You make that decision and you make that choice and you make the choice to make your marriage better and to make improvements in your marriage Choosing the right neighborhood, putting your marriage on a two-way street. We look at, as we look in uh, Philippians chapter 2, we see an interesting text. 
that we've chosen here for our marriage lesson is how Christ humbled himself and became obedient unto death, even the death of the cross. And to make your marriage right, to put your marriage on a two-way street, you have to learn to love. You have to learn to love. You have to love even when it's not easy to. You know, God loves me even when it's hard to love me. When I look at my life and the things that I do and the way I treat the Lord, I think God would have a hard time if I were him loving me. But if you want your marriage to work right, if you want your marriage to be in the right location, if you want your marriage to be right, you're going to have to learn how to love even when it's not easy to. We start out, we're like the perfect couple, right? When we're dating or recording. I remember when I dated my wife, I always wanted my hair to look perfect. I always wanted to have fresh smelling breath. I always kept breath mints just in case our father-in-law let us get close enough where we could even tell if you had bad breath or not. And then we got married and we were just the perfect couple. We were just in love and so happy. And we said our vows and we walked out the aisle and we got in our car and it was decorated and we had little cans rolling behind us as we pulled off. You know, we're just like a perfect couple and then the honeymoon and what a blessing it was for Christian to be on a honeymoon together, a Christian couple and it was so exciting. And then we went through that, like the honeymoon phase of marriage. And it was so exciting. We're just like the perfect couple. And then we became the real couple. I mean, my wife found out that I was really not Prince Charming. You know, it doesn't take long before men, we lose our washboard stomach. And then my wife found out about all the bad habits that I had. And then my wife, when we got married, I mean, she was like a movie star. She was so beautiful. And she still is a very beautiful lady. As you know, when you get married and, and things start to happen and your wife starts to have babies and then more babies and she kind of loses the Barbie figure and you become a real couple instead of the perfect couple. And then the, you become the problem couple when life happens. You know, sometimes tragedies come in our life and it starts to take a toll on our marriage. We become the problem couple when health problems come along. It begins to put problems in our marriage and we become that problem couple. And then marriage just happens. You know, sometimes it just seems like you just can't get along when you just can't seem to agree on anything. You know, I am against compromise, as we would say. I mean, I love the King James Bible. I'm not going to compromise with anybody on that. And there are certain areas that I will never compromise. If you held a gun to my head, I would not compromise. But you know, sometimes in a marriage, it's good to compromise. A marriage is full of compromises on one party or the other. And sometimes we have to do that when problems come along. It doesn't have to be exactly your way all the time. Love, even when it is not easy to do so. When our spouse maybe is not doing what we want them to do. Or maybe our circumstances are not the way we envisioned when we first said, I do. Love, even when it's not easy to. Love, even if it requires a sacrifice. The Lord loved us, even when it meant loving us, meant giving up on everything. He had to give everything up for this. Listen to this. I'm going to read this in Luke chapter 22 in verse number 41. And he was withdrawn from them about a stone's cast and kneeled down and prayed, saying, Father, if thou be willing, remove this cup from me. Nevertheless, not my will but thine be done. And there appeared an angel unto him from heaven, strengthening him. And being in agony, he prayed more earnestly and his sweat 
was as it were great drops of blood falling down to the ground. The sacrifice that Jesus had to make, he even said, Father, if thou be willing, remove this cup of suffering for me. But because of his love for us, he stayed and did God's will and paid the sacrifice for our sins. But you know, sometimes in marriage, you may have to sacrifice things. You may have to sacrifice your life. When's the last time you heard someone say, their career is going to take a back seat because they wanted to care for their spouse. Their ministry takes a back seat. They can care for their spouse. There's not enough. You can't, there's not enough effort you can put into your marriage today. There's not enough effort being put into marriage today. When you have to sacrifice your wants, when you have a strong marriage, it means giving up your personal desires. And I would say, as we all would, that the institution of marriage is suffering Greatly today, the latest statistics say that almost 50% of all marriages end in divorce. Listen to these statistics that I'm going to read to you this morning. They're compliments of Wilkinson and Finkbeiner family law attorneys. A divorce happens every 13 seconds. 277 divorces occur per hour. 6,646 divorces per day. 46,523 divorces per week. 2,419,196 divorces happen every year. There are nine divorces occur in the time it takes to say your wedding vows. The time when we stood before, when I stood before my wife and I said my wedding vows, it took about two minutes. Nine people got divorced during that time. There are more than 554 divorces in the time it takes to watch the average romantic comedy movie, two-hour movie. 554 divorces will occur. Marriages are neglected today. I would say if anything needs fixing, it's our marriages. Marriages are under attack today. You don't have to look too far to see how marriage is trying to be redefined. The world and the devil wants to redefine marriage. He wants to define it. It was defined by God as between a man and a woman and Satan would have it redefined. And we know why, because it draws such a beautiful picture of the gospel. And then the gender identity debate going on. Satan has just declared all-out war on marriage. Satan absolutely hates marriage. When Satan sees a Christian couple married and right with God, he absolutely hates it. I mean, he is trying his best to destroy marriage. Don't let him win. Don't let tragedy come in. Let him use that. Our misunderstandings are even social media today. Now get this. In 2011, Facebook was cited as a major contributor in one-third of all divorces in the United Kingdom. Isn't that crazy? Pornography addiction was cited as a factor in 56% of all divorce cases. The devil is just in an all-out blitz to destroy the home, to destroy marriage. Always think about my mom and dad. They're together in love for over 50 years. They were together through ministry. They were together through health problems and through financial problems, through church problems, through relationship problems, even through other problems that they went through. I remember when my dad had a stroke and my mom was just there beside him all the time. She still is beside him, taking care of him, trying to love him the best that she can and take care of him. Your love for your spouse is more important than your personal happiness. We all want to be happy, right? We all want to just be happy in marriage. But loving your spouse is more important than you being happy. Love even when you are not loved back. 
I have to say that there are many times when my love for the Lord is not what it ought to be. I mean, there are times when my love for the Lord is very cold and indifferent. But I have to say that the Lord always loves me the same. He always loves me even when I don't love back. Love is easy when returns are imminent. When you know you're going to get something in return, it's easy to love. When you know you're going to get what you want, it's easy to love. Your love should be without expecting returns. You know, I think about the story of the prodigal son in John chapter 15, where he took his his inheritance and he left his father and how heartbroken his father was. But, you know, the love that that father had, he kept loving and waiting on his son to return. And he was so happy when his son finally came back. And that's the way we should love our spouse, even when they're not right with us. Even when their love is not right toward us, our love for them should be right in waiting for their return. Number two, learn to serve. Learn to serve. In Philippians chapter 2 and verse number 7, Christ made himself of no reputation and took upon him the form of a servant and was made in the likeness of men. Learn to serve. When you serve your spouse, you serve the Lord. Those things in your marriage that you really don't want to do. I have to admit that I absolutely hate to do dishes. But you know what? When my wife is sick, when she needs help because I love her, I do those things. And when I do those things, when I'm serving my spouse, I am serving the Lord. Taking care of your spouse is serving the Lord. I think about way back in the beginning of time when God created the heavens and the earth and then he created the things on the earth and the plants and the animals and he created man, one of his greatest creation out of the dust of the ground. God made man, he breathed into his breath, the nostrils, breathed into his nostrils, the breath of life. And then God made marriage. God gave Adam a mate. He gave him Eve and God created a ministry there. And Adam now had a beautiful wife to take care of, to nurture and to cherish. Eve had a handsome husband to take care of and to love and to respect. It was at the beginning of time God made this incredible ministry. And here was Adam and he has his help that is meat for him, the Bible says. And Eve took care of her husband. Eve respected Adam and Eve worked hard to meet the needs of her husband. And Adam had a beautiful wife and he nurtured her and took care of her. It was a ministry that God had created and God made the ministry of marriage. When you become a servant, you find the joy of being a Christian. When you become a servant, you find the real joy of being a Christian. When you do things for your spouse, when your motivation becomes love, when your purpose becomes to serve, when you become a servant the way that Jesus did, your marriage becomes something totally different. You find something out about marriage that you never imagined. There's a side of marriage where you serve your spouse. And it completely changes everything. You become a servant the way that Jesus became a servant. When you bring joy to someone else, you find the joy in living. When you serve you, your spouse, you produce a beautiful picture of the gospel. A beautiful picture of the gospel. Your life begins to mirror the story of the gospel. How that Jesus took upon himself the form of a servant and humbled himself and became obedient to death, even the death of the cross. 
And when we serve our spouse, when we seek to serve our spouse and we have a marriage that is two Christians, a Christian marriage, and both, both are serving one another, the husband and the wife, you paint such a beautiful picture. It mirrors the gospel story. You become a servant. You put yourself in a position where you take on the form of a servant yourself, just like Jesus, and you serve to meet the needs of your spouse. Number three, learn to give. Learn to give. In our text, Jesus gave everything, the Bible says, even the death of the cross. Learn to give. The Lord gave absolutely everything for you. Give yourself to your spouse. Give your time to your spouse. Give your attention to your spouse. I have to say that after a long day at work, I don't come home and want to have a long conversation. When I work hard all day and I'm tired and I walk in the door, it's not my desire to have a 30-minute conversation with my wife. But sometimes that's what my wife needs. You know, most women, after a long day of endless housework and child care, they don't really want to be a wife to her husband, but sometimes that's what he needs. Give yourself to your spouse, your time, your attention, yourself. Give your service to your spouse. Have you ever thought about giving a day off to your poor wife? A day off for your wife to get a haircut, get her nails done, just rest for the day. How about a day off for your husband? Hey, honey, just sit in the recliner for the whole day. You've worked hard all week. It's Saturday. Why don't you sit in the recliner? Why don't you sit in your chair? I'll get you some snacks. You can watch football and just relax. Give to your spouse. Give yourself to your spouse. Give your best to your spouse. You know what? I always try to give my best to God. I think if you're going to do something for God, you should give your absolute best. You know, I think about how I just absolutely love to preach, and that's something that God just gave me to do, and I try my best to do the absolute best job I can every time. I just don't leave anything on the table. And you know what? I may not be the preacher that turns the world upside down. I may not be as good as someone else, but you know what? God accepts what I do because it's the best I can do. You may not be the best singer, but if you give God your best, God accepts that and God is pleased with that. And God uses that. Use the same way in marriage. Give the best that you have to your spouse. And that's enough in your marriage. You know what? You may not be the most romantic man, I may not be the most romantic, thoughtful, Casanova person, but I can do my best for my wife, can I? You know what? You may not be the, I may not be the best at domestic work. I may not be the best at washing clothes. I'll be honest. When I wash clothes, sometimes I mess them up. I don't know how that is. One time I was going to iron my wife's dress for her. She was stressed out, getting all the kids ready for church, and I thought, I'm going to iron my wife's dress. Do you know what happened? There was a big iron imprint on her dress. I'm not the best at the domestic work, but I can do my best for my spouse. You may not have that ridiculous Barbie figure, but you can give your husband the best that you have, and that's enough. That would be enough to make your marriage what it should be. Learn to love learn to serve, and learn to give. God has something amazing planned for your marriage. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for this day. Thank you for 
your goodness. Thank you for the wonderful privilege to hear from the Word of God. And Lord, this beautiful picture that Jesus gave us when he humbled himself and became obedient and he made himself a servant. Lord, may we humble ourselves in our marriage and become servants to our spouse. The most important ministry in this world that you've given us even before there was a church, even before there were any ministries, even before there was any great career ambitions, there was marriage, marriage that you created. And I pray that you would help us to put our all into our marriages. We would invest everything that we have into our marriage, into our spouse, and we would keep the devil from destroying it. We ask these things.